welcome to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm joined this week again by Pistol. I'm seeing a lot of you, Pistol. Yeah, too much, uh, unfortunately. Might have to actually leave the page because it's, it's, getting, it's getting a bit too much. But how did your week go, buddy? <laughs> it was all right. Um, I managed to... It, I think it was a tough round. It, it seemed to be high scoring, but at the same time, hard to score well, if that makes any sense. Um, that's how I felt None. about it anyway. I managed to score um, 2250, so kind of par. Um, or Well, over par, but I still managed to fall in ranks too. I'm just inside the top 300 now. Yeah, you tend to fall on those ranks when you are ranked so highly, even on a par performance. Um, I was able to post 2,300, which I was very, very nervous, um, especially early on in the round. Uh, we'll get into the round recap soon, but I missed Dangerfield score as vice-captaincy, but then the safety net of Tom Mitchell came in, so very, very lucky for me. Um, I jumped up 46 rankings up to 134th now, so um, having a, a half-decent season for once, which is very, very good. Um, we'll jump straight into the round recap, and first of all, as I just referenced, it was Geelong versus Bulldogs. I managed to get this tip right, um, despite my whole other tipping comp, tipping Bulldogs for some reason. Um, and Dangerfield, talk us through it. You had him vice-captain, luckily. Well, I actually want to start with a little bit of a funny story. Um, Chizo, as some of you may know, is away at the moment, and he left me in charge of his um, captain loopholes. I actually forgot that he told me to do that on the Thursday and I accidentally loopholed Bont into Dangerfield and forgot about it. So when the footy started, I realized what I'd done. I'd just captain Dangerfield, and I was like, oh no, what am I going to tell him? Hopefully this goes well. And Dangerfield popped out at 151, so he was massive, and uh, Chizo was very happy, even though I completely messed up and it worked out well. That could have been an absolute nightmare if he got on and Dangerfield scored 80 and Bont scored 130. <laughs> um, just, yeah, very, very lucky there for Chizo. And I think lucky for you, I think you would have copped a bit of a roasting if you had to stuff that one up, Pistol. Yeah, a huge amount, so glad it went well. Um, other performers in this game, Mitch Wallace made his return and scored 132, which is uh, very, very solid. He's a mid-forward option. Um is he someone that we should keep on our radar? He's 473k. Yeah, I really like Mitch Wallace, but fortunately for us, he's going to play one more game, be on the bubble, then have his bye, and then you can assess to see um, how he goes next week and if you want to downgrade um, to him after his bye as well. He could be good. I think he's going to be in for a big second half of the year. It might be a bit... I don't think it's going to be a bit much, I was going to say, um, but to have him, Dalhouse, and McRae in the forward line. I mean, if they're all scoring well, they're all scoring well. So... Um, I don't think that matters too much if people are concerned about it. I'd just be more concerned if he's going to get around that average mark. So certainly um, a wait and see, and you've got two weeks to, to watch out for him. Yeah, it's definitely concerning when you have them all going into the buy together. But as you said, he's not even on the bubble um, until right before his buy, in which he carries over and um, jumps off it right after his buy. So it'd be good to see him for another week and um, assess and then maybe make the move after the buy if you've got a bunch of luxury trades and an underperforming premium up there. Uh, Joel Selwood returned to form a little bit within this one with 126 points, and Zach Tui staking his claims as a serious top six defender contender with 116, so very good from him. Um, it was a game of returns, that's for sure, and Scott Selwood jumped back into this one, tagged Bontempelli. Um, I'm not sure how closely he was with him, but um, he obviously did affect Bont's score quite a bit. And managed to score a ton himself. He's another one where 281k 
Is he someone that we should be uh, just keeping in the back of our minds? Yeah, definitely. With the lack of good uh, cash-making rookies, I wonder if Scott Selwood, as you said, priced at 280k. Maybe if he scores another 100-plus next week, maybe we should really look at him as a cash-cow option instead of um, you know, one of those M9s that you hold the whole year. Just because if he's capable of making a quick 150k, that might be more than the rookies that we're downgrading to can make at this time of the year. So I'm watching him very carefully next next week, and hopefully he does score above 100. Yeah, again, recommended for those who do have quite a few luxury trades up their sleeve, which I know quite uh, a lot of people do considering the success of our mid-prices this year. Um, Dowhouse, Johannesson, McRae, all underwhelming. Bonzapelli, fair to say, was very underwhelming with just 81 points. Um, those people like me who loopholed him and didn't have uh, someone like Tom Mitchell to fall back on, unlike me, uh, were just faced with a not as high score considering they'd lost already 10 to 20 to 30 points um, on their captaincy alone. And there wasn't a lot else to look at this one. It's good, though, to see Tom Stewart putting out a 52 and James Parsons even putting out a 47, which is about four times what we expect from him. <laughs> yeah, it was great that he managed to break his... He passed his break-even of 42. Um, and now his break-even has reset, so he's going to start making more money. It is at only 15, so... Hopefully he can uh, score more than 15 this week if his name's and actually get above that 200k mark so he can provide um, us with some money. Yeah, no doubt. And O'Connor played his second game in this one, scoring uh, just over 30. So not amazing from O'Connor. Hopefully he does hold his spot and provide a couple of people with a decent cash cow option there. Into the Sydney St. Kilda game, and it was Hanbury uh, just taking this one by storm, outscoring any other player by 18 points. With 137, he's back, isn't he, Pistol? Yeah, he's definitely back. He's been huge since like round four or something. Um, his last five averages, 120, last three of 130. So, yeah, he's definitely back in a good fashion. At 587k, he's still cheap for, for his um, potential, especially from last year. Um, but, you know, a couple more good games, and he's probably going to be too expensive for people, given the likes of other primos are now much cheaper than him. Yeah, no doubt. I would, um, I'd struggle to be convinced to bring him in this round, considering his buy is just in another week. Um, but he's definitely one to keep your eye on if you um, have a bit of cash up your sleeve and are looking for that last premium midfielder. Dylan Robertson backed up his form with 119 this week. Just um, amazing stuff from him as a defensive player. And he showed signs of this all throughout his career, going on good spurts of 120 averages, but never stringing together a full season. It looks like he's going to string together a full season pistol. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely going to be a top six uh, defender, averaging 106 now, 112 across his last five. So he still has a break even of 117, so it's probably not going to go up too much this week, if, if at all. So he's probably you're probably going to have to pay 540k for him after his buy, but he's certainly someone I'd be looking at getting in. Yeah, and another player in the defense is Jake Lloyd with 110 in this one. Um, just similar thoughts on him, I think. His buy is coming up in a week. He's not going to move much in price this week, and he's just proving to be another amazing option in defense. Josh Kennedy cracked a ton in this one, but owners of him have been left very underwhelmed, especially lately. Owners of Nick Newman have been left very overwhelmed with a 93 this week pistol. Um, <laughs> this could be crazy, but I heard the word keeper being thrown around a little bit. Is there a 1% chance that he could stay in our teams for the season. 
Oh, there's definitely a 1% chance. I think uh, a lot will depend on how Heath Shaw's going. If people have him in their team, they might decide they want to get rid of Heath Shaw before Nick Newman at this current rate. Um, he's averaging 93, and he did score a 93. He's making a lot of money. He's going to break even. It was minus 20 last week. He went up 50k, scored 93, and now his break even is minus 25. So he's going to make another 50k probably next week, which is huge. Um, he's yeah, he's going to get up to at least 450k eventually, and I just look forward to seeing if he can become a keeper. I know it's crazy, maybe maybe a d7 instead, but yeah, it's really crazy that a defender one can score 100 over 150 and to back it up with a 93 the next week, even though Rampy's back. Um, I'm very excited to see what he's capable of. Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, he's outscoring some very popular picks as, uh, like you said, Heath Shaw. So um, coaches, although they just consider him as a write-off, just a bit of a, all right, he's a rookie, just take your win and move it on. He could be one to look just extra harder if he's still pumping out these 90s in a couple of weeks' time. Um, big forwards, Nick Rewalt, Lance Franklin, and Isaac Heaney, all unable to break the 77 mark. So Rewalt had 77. Lance Franklin was just under it with 76. Heaney with 69. So um, those that were tossing up between Heaney and Franklin, I feel like everyone's a loser in this one. Um, <laughs> they're, they're about the same price. They're literally $300 apart now. Who would you be looking to bring in, um, we'll say after their buy, um, if they're priced this close, Pistol? I think I'd lean towards Heaney. Um, Buddy would be a great um, F7 if you manage to have those luxuries. If not, I think I'd trust Heaney on the field more than Buddy. Buddy's just he's so up and down. I mean, I loved his 160 a few weeks ago, but man, these, these low scores are really hurting. I know Heaney had a bad one, but he's had less bad ones, so... For me, I'd, I'd go for Heaney over Buddy. Yeah, go for Heaney because less bad ones. You heard it here first. Um, Zach Jones came back down to earth and won't be getting any Zach Jones tax this week. And that concludes that Sydney-based game. On to the next one. It was GWS versus Richmond. And another heartbreaker for the Richmond fans with a goal um, almost on the siren. There was about 10, 20 seconds left after a goal had been disallowed at the other end. So crazy stuff. Um, and it was Dustin Martin in this one, though. 526k, uh, 144 points. My only question is consistency, Pistol. Um, how hard are you looking at Dusty as a, uh, a fallen premium upgrade option? Jeez, he makes it tough. He's now averaging um, 112, priced at 526, which sounds unreal. But... At the same time, he went on such a long spurt of sub-100 games. I don't know how much I trust him. I think I'd rather pay the 30k more and just get a Joel Selwood. I know he also had three games less than 100 in a row, but with three of the next four at Skilled Stadium, I just feel like Joel Selwood is going to be a safer bet than Dusty Marty, and there's not that much price difference. So unless you are desperate for that money, um, then I guess Dusty is still a good round 12 buy option. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Nank was able to break the ton on the dot. He had a bit more than that, but scaling hurt in the end with the Tigers losing this game. Heath Shaw, as you referenced earlier, only 73 points. Zach Williams' counterpart. It's surprising to see um, Heath Shaw uh, scoring far less than we expect and Zach Williams not picking up that score. So um, no one really knows what's happening with Heater at the moment, Pistol. 
Well, Nathan Wilson still scored 127, was taking a lot of the kick out. So I think that has affected um, Heath Shaw as well because he's not getting those extra points um, every time the opposition kicker behind. But really, uh, there's just such a good spread from the GWS backline that it's not all about Heath Shaw anymore. Um, he's someone that I think you have to have a good hard look at over the Bayern. If you have a luxury trade come round 13, you might need to consider... Um, getting rid of him otherwise pushing him to d7 isn't the worst idea either yeah i I definitely agree with those sentiments um toby green for those who held him for his suspension he came back and rewarded you all with a 70 so not ideal shy bolton on debut got 67 and would have ended up with a lot more had that goal counted um callum ward only 62 that's been a major fall from grace from him but the name on everyone's lips at the moment, Daniel Lloyd, 47, but it's not all about the score at the moment. His job security just seems rock solid with another couple of GWS injuries this week. Yeah, Daniel Lloyd is someone I'm certainly looking at just for that job security. I know he didn't score particularly well. He scored 47, and in his first week, he scored 54. So I think he'll probably average around 55. Um, he did have a scoreless quarter, which I hope doesn't happen very um, often. <laughs> Um, but look, he's a mature age body, so I think they won't rest him so soon after. He just needs to play through the buys, basically. If he plays through the buys, that's a win. And um, don't forget Harry Perryman, who also scored 47 in his uh, debut game. He's a 153k defender mid, so um, that DPP does open up doors for a lot of people. Yeah, no doubt. I did overlook him, so thank you for that. Um, Dane Beams made his return against the Crows in our next game. Crows took this one by 80 points. Um, it was close in the first quarter, but that was all uh, the game had in it. Dane Beams, 132 on his return. So for those who traded him out, you can't be too upset considering I assume we replaced him with a premium uh, midfielder in return. But 132 on return for those who kept the faith, just a great return pistol. Yeah, really good. And I think the very surprising thing here is... Um, Dane Zorko uh, scored another 123. I think he kind of flies under the radar. He's averaging 108 this year. He's had some massive scores um, this year. Last week, he got 119. Um, He did start the year going 114, 112, 109, 118, 121, um, followed by two poor scores. So his price is quite low at 534K. He's definitely someone you should look at um, after the first buy rounds. It, I just think he flies so under the radar and he scores so well that definitely have a look at him. Yeah, those looking for a POD in their midfield maybe want to jump a few ranks. There's no one, uh, well, there's barely anyone in the league more reliable a scorer as Zorko. Um, Sloan bounced back into form this week with 119 and he's almost bottoming, it, bottoming out, but he could drop another 20 to 25k this week, which would be great for those who don't own him. Rory Laird, another reliable score of 110. He's just, he is Mr. Reliable. He's almost the definition of it. Um, Stefan Martin posted a big 107, but um, the, probably the biggest story from this game, Hugh Greenwood, debutant, 104. You would think he'd hold his position in the squad. He had three goals and 15 disposals. What do you think of Greenwood? Yeah, that's great. That's all. That's what we needed. 104 from a rookie's first game. I want to see him back it up this week. Um, don't forget that there's uh, definitely been players that score a ton or a very high score round one and then go to poop on the next couple couple weeks. Uh, Mitch Hannon springs to mind. So maybe don't jump on early. Um, let's just see how it pans out next week. Yeah, it's very risky jumping on early. Um, even, I mean, you're, even if the player is amazing, you're still risking injury. So it's probably not worth it. 
Um, Jake Barrett with 87, so it looks like he's going to make a lot more money, which is very, very good for um, owners. Berry with 75, which is great as well. Otten, only the 72. It's um, a couple of interesting points with Otten. There was no Josh Jenkins in this game. He only scored 72, and he made it into the AFL Team of the Week pistol. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure how he managed to do that, um, given he didn't reach his break-even. His break-even's 80 next week, and 72 is not a particularly fantastic score. And um, I think he held the full forward slot above uh, someone like Joey Danaher as well. So a bit strange, um, but hey, <laughs> uh, that's uh, their call to make. A very interesting one. Gallucci was another debutant in this one with a 57, which is definitely good enough, but he was one of the worst um, three or four crows in terms of scores. Curtly Hampton was, however, worse than him with a 51. So um, hopefully Hampton does get the axe before um, Gallucci. So we do have another couple of options as downgrade targets. Well, he did actually cop an injury, so I think he's not going to be able to play next week anyway. So for those that hold him, you probably have to get rid of him now. Well, there you go. Breaking news from Pistol. I actually had no idea. Um, on to the next game, and it's your game, Pistol. Yeah, it was the Pies with a good comeback on Saturday night, which was just uh, really exciting for me. I was so mad at halftime, and uh, to see the boys get over the line was unbelievable. But leading all scorers was Tom Mitchell with 50 possessions and 158 Supercoach points. He was on 99 at halftime, though, so he did slow down. But that's an unreal <laughs> score uh, for Tom Mitchell. You had him captain, JV, so you must have been pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, very, very happy. He was a, He's just a good safety net. You expect 110, um, 120 is just a win with him this year. But um, two huge scores in a row, and his price is actually going to go up quite a bit. So if you don't have him already... His buy isn't great, but if you can squeeze another round 13 player in, there's not many better than Tom Mitchell uh, form-wise in the AFL at the moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. But there is uh, a better value pick in the round 13, and that would be Scott Pendlebury, who put out uh, 142. He's only priced at 548, just under 100k cheaper than his starting price. His break-even is 104, which you do expect him to get, given he's averaging 112 this year. Um, So this will be the cheapest that you can get him all season. Another big return to form was Adam Trelaw rewarded owners who did hold him, um, scoring 125. He also comes in at a really cheap 507k. Not that I'm suggesting anyone get in Adam Trelaw at this stage, but his uh, price is cheap for those who need um, a, a, just a cheap, cheap option. Um, Taylor Adams with another 110. I know you said Rory Led was uh, the consistent performer. Taylor Adams only has one score below 110 for the whole year and um, a top score of 112. So he's pretty much the most consistent player, I think, in the uh, AFL, probably up there with um, Lloyd and Laird. Jeremy Howe as well, only 453k, scoring 105. Um, He was on track for an even bigger score. He actually slowed down a lot in the last quarter, but I think he's very good value at only 453k, averaging 94. And I really see him averaging 95 for the rest of the year. So... If you need a defender, that's um, a value pick. Jeremy Howe, even though he's got the round 13 by, he's probably um, the one for me. Well, there's a lot of uh, Collingwood-relevant players, so I might just uh, skip down the list. Um, Brody Grundy um, had a 92, which is a little bit below what um, owners were expecting, but I think they'd have to take that. On the Hawthorne side, 
after um, Tom Mitchell, mostly the next super coach relevant player, I think, is um, Jared Ruffhead. He scored a 79, which was good for the uh, price rise. He, he did go up 25k this week. His break even is now 73, so soon or this week or next week, or if you're going to hold him through the buys, you've got to get rid of Ruffhead sometime soon. He's not going to be a uh, forward keeper. And I think that brings us to the end of uh, the Collingwood game, JB. Yeah, I think so too. And the next game was Essendon upsetting West Coast by uh, 61 points, one that I uh, was actually my first lost tip, so um, very disappointing. And not surprising that the top 10 players for this game were all Essendon players. Um, the probably the most Supercoach relevant one to start with is Zach Merritt with 107. And we talk a lot about consistency on this podcast, and he's one of them. Um, he's just been super. Um, Michael Hurley scored one point more than him. He's just been sensational this year, Pistol, and he's actually flown well and truly under the radar. Yeah, he's only in 3.7% of teams, which is tiny, and he's got a five-round average of 113 as a defender. He's right up there in those defenders, averaging now 99.3, 537k, so his price is um, getting well and truly up there. He has got that round 13 buy, which does make it a bit hard to handle, but he's certainly a POD backline pick. Yeah, no doubt, and two popular forward picks, Kennedy and Yo, scored within a point of each other, 72 and 71 for them. Um, Yo, disappointing, but in a game where they lose by 60, uh, you can forgive him. The thing that got me pistol, and you could see it in the first half last week as well, he's been thrown into the midfield a lot. <laughs> Usually you get really excited when a defender gets thrown into the yeah. midfield, but for some reason, as soon as Elliot Yo's in the midfield, you just want to scream. He needs to play off that half-back to get those intercept possessions and marks and um, just score well. But uh, next week's at Domain Stadium, so yeah, expect a big 150 or so from Yo. Yeah, back up to the 110 pluses for Yo. I hope McGrath was um, underwhelming with 59 points, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. It might be time to trade out. Uh, James Stewart, on the other hand, might be time to trade in. He scored a 51 after a 90 um, score last week, so it uh, could be a very good cash cow at a slightly inflated price. Mutimer was another one um, who uh, quite a few people had traded in. He scored 35, um, not great, and especially not good considering he's the 44th scoring player in that game, meaning he was last, so um, could face the axe at the action table considering they got hammered. And then lastly, people are trading this guy McInns a lot, Pistol. Yeah, McInns is uh, very popular at the moment. He's playing as a, a tall, and it's a bit worrying given you've got Petrie that's just come back in the uh, waffle, and Scotty Lysett is only, I think they said, two weeks away, so I think uh, getting in McInns is very short-term option, and uh, yeah, McInns could soon be uh, McOuts, JB. Jumping into the next game, we'll ignore your, our, our puns because they're not really funny. Um, it was North Melbourne winning this one by 14 points, and I was advised by everyone in our, our group chat pistol not to change my tip to North Melbourne, um, which burnt me. I'm pretty upset about it. The next game is North Melbourne versus Melbourne. And North Melbourne won this one by 14 points in a close game. Melbourne were coming back very, very hard at the end there. Todd Goldstein, is he back in form with a 135, or was he just rucking against midgets all game? <laughs> no, he was rucking against uh, Peterson and Jack Watt, so it's a bit... Um, wasn't really fair. He got so many hitouts. I think he, he had well above 60. So he's now got a three-round average of 117K. 
I feel like it might be safe to get him, but... Well, well. A three-round average of 117k. Get him <laughs> no. in. Get him in the team, Pistol. <laughs> That's not getting cut. Keep going. He has a three-round average of 117 now. So, for some reason, I know it's probably show him showing some form and probably worthwhile getting him, given he's got a break-even of 63. But for some reason, for me personally, it doesn't quite feel safe. I know Proust had another 50-plus hit-out performance in the VFL. I'm just so scared that when the season's over, you know, come round 16 or so and North Melbourne might be out of the finals race and they want to get some games into big Proust, what's Goldstein scoring going to be like then? I'm just... I'm really scared of of Goldstein the Skeptical at this stage, but certainly I can see the value in him at only 519k with a break-even of 63. And the round 12 buy in the racks, um, they're all big ticks. So if you do get him, I think he'll be a decent punt, but I am worried personally. Yeah, you make some very good points that people might not have considered. Um, Michael Hibbard's another was another outstanding player in this game with 110. He's only had one score below um, below what you'd expect for your normal premium defender. And he's only priced at 437k. So some of that can definitely be taken into consideration now, considering uh, his quite obvious consistency thus far. Um, Clayton Oliver scored 91, so a bit of a crashing down to earth for him. But he'll bounce back with his usual 130 plus next week. He's been sensational all year. Um, Higgins was tagged heavily in this one, and if you're one of the uh, very rare Higgins owners like myself, I'm not too upset with an 82, considering um, the fact that he was heavily tagged by Vernie Vince, a player that really made a slow score uh, just really drastically uh, blow his average. So I'm not too upset with an 82 from Higgins. I'm, I've still got the faith in him. Ed Vickers-Willis pulled out a 75, and he's just going to be an excellent cash cow all year. Um, He's put together two good scores now. If you're trading out a player and you're afraid of downgrading, considering uh, poor bench options in defense, I think you can do it with a bit of safety, expecting at least 65 to to 80 from Ed Vickers-Willis. So um, it's good to have that in mind when thinking of downgrading in defense. And Jared Waite pistol, for once, we we spoke so harshly about him, and he didn't score 180,000. (laughs) <laughs> no he didn't but he is still averaging 108 um, so it's, he's going to make a bit more money he's got a break even of 80 I don't know if anyone actually did trade him as a cash cow I hope they didn't because he only made 14k last week I really do hope he didn't last game of the round uh, was Fremantle winners by 35 points Walters is appreciating his new role in the midfield is he an option at all in the forward line pistol Oh. Personally, I think it's too risky getting somebody uh, that can just become a forward at any moment, like a deep forward as well. Um, We did see for the first half of the year, he was struggling hard. I think he was averaging something like 55, and then all of a sudden he's popped out um, a 119, a 137, and 135. Who knows how long he's going to stay playing that midfield role. It's very risky pick at 457k. It's not even that cheap anymore, to be honest, JB. Maybe last week um, that would have been the go. He did go up 74k in one week. So, yeah, that last week at 380k, probably worthwhile punt. This week at 457k, even though he's got a break even of minus four, I'm not too sure it's worthwhile bringing in Michael Walters now. Yeah, no doubt. And Lockie Neal has an average above his break even of 120 um, and he has just been on another level, 134 again this week. And he was a POD all last year. He's going to be a POD all this year. If you can muster up the cash or wait for him to have one down game, he's one that you just need to jump on if you have the faith in his consistency. 
Mark Murphy put out another 123 and is proving why he's a top five midfielder thus far, I believe. Um, just absolute consistency from him. And those who picked beams over Murphy, which was 80% of the competition who had one of them, just very disappointed um, because it just seemed like such an obvious call in the preseason, but it's backfired heavily. Sandilands put out a 102, Doherty a 101 after having 89 at half time, so that was very disappointing. And a player that I want to talk to you about, Pistol, someone that was locked into everyone's team before Supercoach uh, opened, before round five last year, was Nat Fife, but he's not scoring tons. No, he's not. He's scoring just shy of tons. He has got a. Uh five-round average of 96, a three-round average of 98, and an average average of 103. So he's not quite hitting those high scores that we had expected at the beginning of the year. Although I think in the last quarter, they did throw him fully on ball. I know he's been resting forward and playing um, as kind of a damaging forward in a lot of Fremantle games, which may be hindering his score. Hopefully that was a sign of things to come this week where they just chucked him on ball at the ends, if he plays next week and he scores a big 120, then I'll be set that he's uh, definitely going to improve. But if he scores another sub-100, I think you really need to consider a luxury trade of maybe Fife out to somebody during the buys. But it is pretty crazy because it is net Fife and he's capable of 120. But at the year, so far, 103 average is not really cutting the mustard. Yeah, just very strange to see where it all went wrong for Nat Fife and Supercoach. He's... Um, he's just not getting as much as appeal. He's not taking those massive overhead marks. Maybe he's lost a bit of confidence with a leg injury, but hopefully he finds it within the next week or two and we don't have to waste the trade on the Brownlow medalist. So Marchbank in this one had 61. Um, SPS had 58. So those players have slowed right down and we'll uh, address them later on as our trade-out targets. And that was pretty much it for this and the um, round recap pistol. So, I had the perfect segue there, and I didn't quite use it. Um, let's get into the rookies. The trade-in targets, there are quite a few decent ones this week without any being um, amazing. Every single trade-in target has a sort of mix between um, actual scoring potential and um, job security. So, we'll start us off with a player that we spoke about earlier, Mickiness, I think he's pronounced that. He's got a negative 42 break-even defensive forward. How high is he on your radar pistol? Um, he is not very high at all uh, for the reasons that I mentioned so previously. If you have skipped forward to this part of the podcast, um, I did say he is playing as a tall and Petrie is back in the waffle and um, Scotty Lysett is only a couple of weeks away apparently. So uh, there is every chance that he gets dropped. I'm not sure he's going to get dropped within the next two or so weeks. So if you need someone that might play for the um, round 11 buy, he could be a decent option. But if you actually want somebody playing for the rest of the year, um, I don't think it's going to be him. Yeah, and speaking of average job security, O'Connor's next on the list here as a defender with a negative three break-even. Is he on your radar at all? Personally, I don't feel like he will last another fortnight. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if he lasts much longer. I know um, Darcy Lang actually dominated. He had 25 touches, um, five clearances, four goals, Um it, yeah, it was just an unbelievable game for him, and I think he's going to get recalled. O'Connor is kind of playing um, half-back wing sort of position, so um, I'm not sure if he's not playing as a pure defender. I don't think he's going to um, stay in the side for much longer. He's probably going to get a run in the two, so it's a big no for me on that, that part. Yeah, no doubt. Um, looking at a midfielder sheer, um, just scoring potential... 
not really there at all. Negative three break even, but you'd just expect Lloyd is the go-to option in the midfield this week. Yeah, so um, Shearer has not scored very well at all. Um, his job security is also pretty iffy. I think uh, Daniel Lloyd probably has the best job security out of all of those um, options that we've mentioned so far. He's 117k. Um, GWs have so many injuries at the moment. I'd be really surprised if um, he does get that, a chop before someone like Perryman, for example. And the only decent forward option, well, the only forward option at all this week, Pistol, Stewart, with a negative 42 break-even. I feel like he's solidified his spots uh, in the squad for another month, potentially. Um, do you think he's a must-get this week? Or um, considering him and Lloyd seem to be the best two options that we've considered thus far, um, could you maybe compare um, the, the importance of getting either one of those in? I think I would probably uh, grab a Lloyd just because next week um, Hugh Greenwood, who did score 104 on the weekend, uh, will be on the bubble, and I think he's probably going to be more of a priority as a forward um, than Stewart is. And the next couple of defenders that are coming through, I think, might be uh, defender rookies. Well, we'll talk about that soon when we um, look at how the players performed in the twos on the weekend. But um, certainly with Perryman also coming through as a defender rookie, there might be um, less midfield options in the coming weeks. Yeah, no doubt. And lastly, uh, we'll touch on Soldo just quickly. With a negative 21 break-even, he seems to be in and out of the squad. Is he an option at all, Pistol? Um, I don't think he should be considered, no. Okay, well, that's it. Um, March Banks at the top of the trade-out list. He's got a 97 break-even. Um, he's on there with Hampton with a 61 break-even, Otten with an 80 break-even. Are they all just um, absolute trade-outs this week if you have them? If you have all of them, I don't think you can trade all of them out. There's not enough <laughs> trades, JB. Prioritise, but yes. <laughs> if you had to prioritise, I think I would um, get rid of Andy Otten first. I feel like um, McGrath does have that potential to hit hit the 84. It's mostly the DPP swing for McGrath. Um, that's definitely going to hold value throughout the buys. The problem with any of these players is that they are going to need to be traded out during the buys, and they do have, for example, the Otten and the McGrath, um, they do have that round 13 buy, so you might want to trade them out at round um, 11 or 12 if you can. I think for a lot of people, you actually have to go through your team, count how many you're going to have in round um, 11, 12, and 13 to make these decisions on who to bring out um, and who to bring in this week, especially. Marchbank might have to go just purely because he is around 11 by. Yeah, and I think if you have SPS, he's an obvious trader option with a 109 break even. Um, Will Hoskinelli, again, he's someone that will score 70 for you most weeks. He'll probably stick around the price that he's at right now. So if you wanted to hold him until that last buy, um, buy round, which is his, and then upgrading them, there'd be no issue with that whatsoever. Um, two players that I want to talk about quickly. Balik is being traded out quite heavily. Um, is Do you think that's because of the fact that he's out for another week at least, probably two or three even? Um, or is that more because he's actually made probably the most cash out of everyone that might not play in that first buy? So there was news uh, this week that Balik is going to plan on returning to his club in two weeks. So that's actually not very long, and I can understand why people would hold him. The only thing I have to question is, when he does return to Fremantle, are they going to play him straight away? Are they going to send him to the waffle to get a couple of um, games back? I think that's what they might do, in which case he's probably not going to play any of the buy rounds. He might play after the Fremantle buy, in which case for me personally, you've already made 130k. Thanks very much for that, Balik, but you've just got to go. 
Yeah, I tend to agree. It's very difficult to hold a player um, at any point of the season if they're not scoring and playing. But let alone one that isn't that is missing out on pretty much solely the buys and has already made us quite a lot of cash. So he seems like a very obvious trade out option. And speaking of the buy rounds, uh, Pistol, do you want to give us just a small spill on um, just small strategies, small things that we should be looking out um, for in our trade ins and outs? Maybe uh, rookies that we should um, maybe avoid or premiums more specifically that we should avoid. Um, should we all be getting a spreadsheet together and um, seeing how many players we have playing in every buy round? Um, or do we just go in blind? You're a self-proclaimed buy expert, is what you is what you tell me, Pistol. Every single day you message me that. So um, what are the key strategies to go in with? <laughs> I think the most uh, not obvious one, I should say, that people seem to forget is uh, DPP is really, really helpful during the buys, especially if you've got some rookies like uh, Perryman. You might want to stick them on the uh, mid-bench, for example, and then you can swap him into the back line if you needed some extra players um, in that buy round. I think it might be more useful with that Hugh. Um, if you have him on your mid-bench playing through through um, the first two buys and then swap him into your forward line during the round 13 buy, um, that will just allow you to have an extra round 11 player um, in your midfield, assuming you've got like a Dalhouse or a McRae with DPP. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get a couple of extra scores um, during those bye weeks. Just this week and next week, you really need to count how many players you have playing in each buy round if you want to do well overall. There is no point bringing in somebody this week that's going to cause you to get a zero in two weeks. There's just no point whatsoever. Um, certainly, think about the buys. Think about where you're lacking and, and where you aren't and plan your trades accordingly uh, to that. That's sounds obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. Obviously, if you don't care about the buys, you don't have to worry about it. The last thing that you can do, and this is a new thing for this year, is consider Port Adelaide and uh, Gold Coast players, JB. What do you think about that strategy? Do you have uh, your eye on any one of them? Well, I think the the most open line is probably defense, in which I think a couple of players could sneak into the top eight or ten. Um, not be prolific like Doherty or anything, so I'd still expect everyone to get the players like that that are going to be like literally top four. Um, but say, for example, Pittard versus Harbrow. Um, Pittard's at 458k, whereas Harbrow's 472. Harbrow's only scored below the ton once this year, but Pittard seems to really be building into it. Um, if I was one that looked at my buy strategies and saw that I've just had absolute spud fest and zeros every week and defense is a shambles because I've got 24 uh, round 13 by defenders... Um, I, I'd really, really consider uh, maybe sacrificing a top eight scorer for a top ten scorer, and uh, just having the ability to play them through the buys. Um, the Harbour versus Pittard one is interesting. We've seen it a little bit on the page as of uh, as of recently. I think I'd give the slight edge to Harbour. It's so strange to say, considering his history um, isn't really as a natural scorer or consistent scorer. But his role off half-back seems to just be giving him um, some newfound consistency. And like I said, only one score below the ton, and he's also produced a big 114 already this year. Um, what are your thoughts on trading in a player like that? And do you have your eye on any Gold Coast support players, Pistol? I should say I'm not a particularly uh, big fan of Pittard or Harbrow. Um, if I had to pick one of the two of them, I would also pick Harbrow. I didn't expect you to say that, to be honest. I thought you were going to uh, back in your boy Pittard, but... 
Harbrow, one score under 100 is just, it sounds like a good enough risk to take. Who knows how long he can keep this up for. I should mention his previous highest average in any season has been 85. So the fact that he's now going at above 98 is makes me somewhat skeptical. It might be a trap. Um, so it really is a gamble. And if you're willing to take it and it pays off, good for you. But just know that it could definitely fail at any time and you'll have wasted some trades and some money. Um, Pittard does seem to be more likely to not fail, but you have less of a chance of him being a really good defender. He's probably definitely going to be um, around that top 15 mark rather than that top 10 mark as a defender. So for me, I personally wouldn't take either option, but if I had to choose one, I would choose Harbrow. Very, very nice. Um, with by preparation, just I'm going to ask a bit of an obvious question that you didn't really address. This week is such a hard week to trade in players for. Are we trading in strictly um, according to our buy uh, structure at the moment? So say we need a round 12 player, we trade them in round 13. Is it that easy? Or should we be avoiding round 11 players altogether knowing they're going to miss a week? Or um, what exact, um, what trading targets should we really be focusing on this week? Because a lot of players do get confused as to when they should be trading in buy players and um, at what point. Yeah, so personally, I wouldn't trade in a round 11 buy player. But then again, if your midfield is stacked with these round 13 buy players, you might need to trade in a round 11 buy player because if you're going to trade in another round 13 and cop a donut, it's just not worth it. Um, I think this week you really have to strongly consider in the midfield, especially like a, a Selwood um, or a Dusty Martin, just because they have that round 12 buy. In the forward line, um, we didn't. I didn't quite mention... Um, Gold Coast and Port players. I think I would look at um, Lynch um, from Gold Coast. He has got a high break even though, and he's going to drop quite a bit in price. So maybe not this week, but um, next week for Lynch. I feel like he's probably going to average just over 90 um, as that D6, uh, sorry, F6. That's probably good enough. And if you can make him an F7 at the end of the day, that's even better because he's going to have those super high scores. Um, that you can loophole in. So that's someone I'd look at. If you had to ask me if I was going to trade in um, a Port Adelaide or Gold Coast midfielder, it's probably a pass from me, even though Robbie Gray, I know a lot of people are going to look at him um, next week because it's going to be about 450k. It's just a lot of money to have um, on your bench because I'm assuming he's going to have to end up there. You're not going to have Robbie Gray as your M8 all year and just be leaking so many points. Um, and if I wanted to spend that much money on my bench, I'd make sure that it was a DPP uh, forward uh, midfielder that's probably um, a premium one, maybe one that averages above 90, or maybe a Jack Steele type if, if you manage to hold him. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, some very good strategies there. So definitely um, the, the probably the best advice we could give uh, about any sort of buyers at all is just write down what players you've got playing. Um, make sure they're actually playing players. So don't include Eddie in that, those who aren't in the team. Um, and just really look at the raw numbers. So you want, um, obviously you want 18 players playing, but you want to really try and gear towards that 19-20 to give yourself a good chance at smashing the rankings and smashing all your league opponents. Or you could just take three L's and don't consider the buys as a necessity and still win your league anyway. So um, it just depends on the type of player you are, I guess. But definitely chuck them into a spreadsheet and just, just do the hard math. Look at who you should be trading in. Um, and that pretty much caps up our buy prep. We're going to quickly run around the grounds um, before we sign off here, Pistol. 
I think a very, very noticeable in the sand for this week, Jenkins was able to bag four goals, which could spell trouble for Andy Otten if he comes back into the side. However, Otten's not scoring that great anyways and um, could very well uh, be just, just droppable regardless anyway this week. Um, Scott Thompson had 30 disposals and five tackles um, in the sandfall, which could spell trouble for Gallucci. And then again, Week had 38 disposals, nine inside 50. So potentially an approaching uh, rookie player. But all of that just smells trouble for our Hamptons and our Galucci's and our, our Crows players in general. Yeah, and I think uh, moving on to uh, another game around the ground, uh, the Collingwood VFL team, which I, I had my eye on, Matt Scharenberg had 41 disposals, 11 marks. That's backing up a performance last week where he had 35 touches. The week before that, JB, he had another 35 touches. Now, this guy is 164K defender in Supercoach. Racking up three consecutive games above 35 touches, and it's in the VFL, not the not the NEFL, so it is a higher quality league. He's someone that Whoa. I am definitely looking at getting in um, as soon as he comes into the Collingwood squad. Maybe I'll give him a game or two, but um, he's definitely high on my radar. I think the only other person um, that's probably super coach relevant, Callum Brown, had 29 possessions and five tackles, so. He might get a senior debut soon. They did say that he looks a class above the rest of the VFL players, so I am expecting him um, to potentially even come in for James H this week. Yeah, no doubt. There's some big numbers from the Collingwood boys racking up possessions left, right, and centre. I'm not sure if they won, though, Pistol. Um, Luke Ryan for Fremantle's uh, waffle side was able to rack up 30 disposals, 9 marks, 4 inside 50s, and a goal. So... Um, he was one on everyone's radar in the preseason. Um, if he comes in, he's just he's just someone that you have to consider, especially for a low price. Um, and Cox, pick 41 in the draft for Fremantle, was able to rack up 26 disposals and pistol. He had 17 marks. That's just on another level. Um, if either of those two players come to the side, they're, they're just someone that you have to pay attention to. And they could spell very, very good downgrade targets. We could have a plethora of um, defense downgrade targets. Um, bad news for Eddie. He was only able to gather 13 disposals and bag one goal in a six-goal game. Um, and Montfrey's outshone him with 28 disposals, 11 marks, and one goal. So unfortunately for Eddie owners, it looks like Montfrey's has now slipped ahead of him just slightly. So um, not ideal pistol. Yeah, I was really hoping Eddie would get recalled for this buy period. I need that extra player, so um, pretty disappointing to see Monfries have such an amazing game. Yep, and lastly, around the grounds, Cameron uh, was able to post 55 hitouts in the needful for Sydney. Um, he could potentially come in for the struggling Cal Sinclair and maybe even be a downgrade option for us. Yeah, he's certainly someone that is very, very intriguing, just given he's got that ruck... Um, forward DPP throughout the buys that might be handy I'm not really sure I never considered that um, when I'm rejigging my Excel spreadsheet um, but certainly <laughs> he's someone that I'm looking forward to seeing playing because he was actually going to play round one before he hurt his hand so um, yeah definitely high on my watch list 
No doubt at all. Um, I heard there was a donor donate for donuts this week, Pistol. Um, do you want to talk us through the Cancer Council? Yeah, I was ecstatic to see uh, another person get on board for the donate for donuts. Unfortunately for them, they did have a donut. Um, so thank you so much to James for your donation, and I hope you continue to have fun with the donate for donuts uh, program all throughout the buys. Just for those that don't know what we're talking about, maybe it's your first time listening in. The donate for donuts is. You pledge a certain amount per donut. It might be $1, $2, $3, $5, $10, whatever you want to donate per donut that you get. And you pretty much try and get through the buys without any donuts. But if you do happen to cop one, you donate to charity for how much you pledged. Um, it's a lot of fun, so get behind it if you want. Yeah, and our grand total is um, it's skyrocketed. It's already passed last year, I believe, Pistol. Yeah, it has. Uh, we're now at $1,337, which is fantastic for this stage of the year. Um, really hope we can push that uh, 2K barrier by season's end. Yeah, that'd be absolutely sensational and just great work to the community. Um, it's something that we check on a daily basis and whenever whenever we see anything go in there, it's, um, it's just very, very... Um, it's uplifting to see everyone get around such a great cause. Um, the link, of course, for that will be in the description of the um, of the SoundCloud, and it will also be in the comments of the Facebook. And having said that, Piss, so I think that just about signs us off, mate. Thanks for having uh, me. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me, JV, and uh, hopefully you can crack the top 100 this week. Oh, that'll be good. Um, make sure you can find us on iTunes. I believe we did have difficulties uh, for that over the week. It seems our tech guy, uh, Cheezer, I think his name is, who we don't even remember anymore, has just left us AOL and uh, provided us some <laughs> very, very little information. And the uh, the iTunes decides to stuff up on the week that he leaves. So that's very, very typical. We should be up on iTunes this week. Make sure you check us out on SoundCloud. Chuck a comment in the comments section on the Facebook and just tell us how bad Pistol was this podcast. And we'll catch you on Thursday. Thank you very much, Pistol. <laughs> Thanks for having me, McKinn.